Welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. Yo, let's get it going out there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the world. Welcome on in once again to the Sports Buffoon Studios here in Lenexa, Kansas. We got the full clan back again. Thank goodness. Two weeks in a row, guys. I mean, we had that weird little period where some of us were here, some of us weren't. Now we're ready. We're football season, guys. Football season's here and upon us. We have games tomorrow night, as a matter of fact, in preseason. Um, but we've had a hell of a weekend before that. We got to spend some time in Chiefs camp, all that kind of good stuff. But uh, and before we dive, dive into some fancy talk and Chiefs talk, guys, uh, what you guys up to? How you doing? You know, I heard a brand new song on the radio today by Britney Spears and Will I Am. It's called Mind Your Business, Bitch. And it got me thinking, that's kind of ironic that she would sing a song like that because she was the one that couldn't keep her hands off of Victor Weminyama. I'm pretty sure she should be the one minding her own business, right. bitch. Yeah, that's that, that's coming out sounds strong. like a Britney Will I Am kind of song. Doesn't yeah, she already, yeah. didn't she already write a song with the word bitch like as one of the titles? Uh, Britney bitch. Britney bitch. Right. Or yeah. something like that. Work bitch or something like that. You got, yeah, you, got yeah. A, you got a work bitch? Sexy bitch. I don't know what it is. Oh, is that just like her favorite word? It she must she be. was one of those people like growing up in, in that time period. Like they always had like the word bitch on her ass cheeks, like um, yeah. on her um, pajamas or whatever the hell. Like that was like her I mean, that's why I always, thing. That's, that's why I always crushed on was Christina Aguilera. And not Britney. So, I I do love you know, the idea. You were more mature than me, I guess. I love the idea of her making a comeback, though. Like I want to, I want to see her top the charts again, man. That'd be great for society. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing great, Mike. I just threw down this Bitburger beer. Uh, it's a Pilsner, great beer. I'd recommend it to anyone. Now I'm getting ready to start this athletic Oktoberfest. Good stuff. I got the Wellbeing Hellraiser Dark Amber. Um, haven't tasted it yet, but. I do know that athletic one's pretty good. Where is this Bitburger from, Jason? Uh, it looks um, like it might be from Germany. I don't know. One of those European countries. <laughs> Somewhere overseas. It's Somewhere. got a lot, of, a lot of words that Americans can't pronounce on Somewhere here, in so. Europe that's not Moscow. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that hell that's at, that's at but I we found it earlier. So, I mean, over at Red it's, X. It's so interesting now that, you know, all these NA beers you guys are talking about are like all different names and different styles still. Right. I yeah. feel like that 10 years ago, that was not, not that way. No, it's good though. I mean, we used to just have O'Doul's and now we have a wide variety selection of all kinds of different yeah, drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Oktoberfest beer and a whole bunch of stuff like that. Like you make stouts you, you and have, IPAs. Some different ones. Yeah. And they're all NAs. What's, what's your NA of choice today, Tanner? Uh, just a Diet Pepsi. Diet Pepsi NA. Got a little caffeine going a little bit. You got some Powerade. Is there ca so, caffeine in this? Uh, well, Tanner, yes. And this There's, one, oh, the other one doesn't. There, there is caffeine. Hey, it's still that good. Drink right there. It'll get me through my mm. 30 days of fantasy football afterwards. That's all right. How's that going, by the way? So, Tanner, tell us more about that real quick. Uh, so, every night after the shows, after nine, nine o'clock central, sometime after that, I hop on. We do some mocks. We do sleeper mocks. Your guys are more invited when you show up to hop on. Uh, had a few guys on there already. Uh, we also do best balls on underdog. Uh, and then when the draft, our buffoons league, when that draft, uh, our draft, uh, whatever list drops, 
of what round we're at and the keepers, we can go into the more elite sites to really mock around that as well, but some other stuff. But basically, it's just mocks, uh, training camp updates, preseason updates, and best balls. I mean, we just sit there and fancy football it for about an hour. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, let's dive into the Chiefs for just a few minutes here because um, it's been interesting in training camp this year because it seems like every practice is either rained out or they have to move inside indoors to practice facility or it's halfway rained out to where, you know, the fans don't get to really participate and see what's going on on the practice field and get a feel for what we have to expect coming into this season. Um, now, we obviously, we went up to St. Joe on Saturday and got to see kind of a light practice. It was just barely over an hour long. Um, and they were coming off of a day where they were in full pads. So this was just them in the shells doing work that way. Um, but no, it's, it's kind of curious. I mean, what you guys noticed or picked up on throughout practice on Saturday that you think is going to be implemented and something to watch out for going into the year, something, you know, that caught your eye maybe. I think for me, it's just the fact that they're going to be using Rashi Rice a lot as a blocker. And so you're going to see a little bit of him in the slot because he's that bigger bodied wide receiver that the chiefs haven't really had necessarily in the past few years. Um, and so I thought that was the interesting thing that I saw is I think he's going to be a really good blocker as a receiver. Yeah. I, I think he fits in pretty well to that Juju Smith Schuster role mm -hmm. and can do all the things that Juju did last year. I mean, just uh, probably more productive in a lot of ways, actually um, just being a little bit younger, fresher body and all that. Um, but yeah, I really, really like, I mean, if you look at the way his body's built, I mean, he's built to be a guy that's going to throw some blocks uh, in this run game, especially. So um, Rasheed Rice is going to be used all over the field from what we've picked up on. Uh, I've seen him play, you know, he's being used in a lot of corner routes, post routes, as well as even some reverses, um, some like end around type of routes, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, wide variety for Rasheed Rice. And he's he's looking the part. When I'm, I I remember we, we went out two weeks ago, Tanner, and definitely was impressed then, was impressed once again this past weekend. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching him on the field and hopefully he's, out there pretty much starting with the ones from the get-go yeah i think for me it's offensive line that's what i highlighted last week going up at growing good going up all over the place uh donovan smith at left tackle uh juan taylor at right tackle that's exactly how they were doing things during uh, scrimmages and drills and that just makes me think there donovan smith gets injured or gets uh you know plays horrendously wyan Moore morris is going to be the guy to take that left tackle spot. They're not going to shift Juan over. Like we're going to get our rookie to shift just fine into that offensive line. And we could have what one senior guy truly with Joe Tooney, like that, who's been around for three or four years or more. Yeah. If that's the case. I, I don't really care for the idea of having a rookie started on the offensive line this year. I'm just really hoping Donovan Smith pans out. I hope, I hope he can stay healthy on that part. Sure. I mean, you guys got to be prepared for the worst, of course, but um, I just I'm not interested in seeing, you know, some of the ugliness we saw from just three years ago with the O-line when we were shuffling guys around. Uh, the, the tackles are a very important position and it's not something to be messing around with too much. Wani and Warris, like to me, is, is not he's not going to be pro ready yet, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just hoping it's best if he sits out this year behind Donovan only in, you know, emergency situations. But. I mean, it could be a case. Uh, Trey Smith made a comment this week just talking about Wanya Morris. Uh, Trey Smith was actually the one who took him on his official visit to Tennessee whenever he was, uh, you know, going into college. Um, so he got to spend some time with him then. He calls him like his little brother, basically. Now, obviously, Wanya Morris ended up going to OU. But, um, you know, it's good to have some familiarity a little bit with the line and some of the guys they're working in with. Uh, that goes a long ways towards helping the, the chemistry of 
just uh, the camaraderie of the teammates and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, for me, um, I, I noticed for first and foremost, we we saw some moving around in the secondary over at camp. Yes. And um, the day we were there, obviously, there was still an injury going on with Legereus Sneed. Um, obviously, Nazi Johnson is out with the torn ACL. And we saw, um, okay, get up, help me out the name again, Tanner, if we have that, uh, the K Stater. Um, oh, uh, the, not Nick the, Jones. Um, no. Isaiah Norman? No, the guy from Oh, Eco Boyado. Yeah. Eco Boyado. We're close enough. I feel like he, that's pretty close. The only reason I bring him up, he was working in with the first team. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, it's a guy that if they're, they're trying to shuffle guys through there, see who can really stand out, make a play. And uh, it was interesting to see a guy like him, undrafted free agent, coming in and getting some work in with the starters, um, especially over some other guys right now. Nick Jones looks really good. He does. Uh, he's, he's making some standout plays so far in camp and uh, might be another one of those seventh-round picks that the Chiefs hit on again. That'd be awesome to see, especially, you know, seems like Brett Veach and the secondary are just very cohesive um, with uh, just – gelling and knowing how to scout somehow in I mean, the safeties and corners don't forget mike edwards back there in the safeties right now too from tampa yeah i'm, I'm really curious how he's going to fit in and how much playing time he's going to get i mean we use a lot of three safety sets so obviously we're going to have justin reed brian cook and then mike edwards all through there at different times um and i'm kind of thinking mike edwards is going to be used a little bit in that uh old daniel Sorensen role maybe mm-hmm. um because they, they used to hit Sorensen as your third safety in a lot of ways and uh, I think he's going to be used in that way just because he's he's not, in my opinion, better than Justin Reed. And he's not, in my opinion, better than Brian Cook just because of Cook's youth. Um, but I think Edwards can fit in great as a backup or, you know, like I said, that third guy to come in. Um, the other thing is, so we we're looking over the uh, death chart, you guys, of what just came out as of actually last night. The Chiefs' first unofficial depth chart of the preseason. And there's a couple things that somewhat surprised me when I was looking over it. Um some things that were disappointing. I know we saw Justin Ross was a little bit further down the depth chart than I'd prefer to see. Um, I was happy to see Leo Chanel is with the starters listed right now on the depth chart. So getting him coming out swinging right away with the starters this year is great. Um, Felix and Udike Uzama, though, rolling with the third team on the depth chart at the moment. So that's a little lower than I was hoping to see. Um, but otherwise, what what out of the list of guys right there um, stood out to you as far as the, this scene that all put together in the depth chart? Yeah, I think I think for me, I agree with you. It's Felix being that low because I think they might run into a situation depending on the health of the D line, and also what what ends up happening to uh, Chris Jones. Um, they might need Felix to step up and, and play, you know, be a starter at some point this year. So um, that that was, I guess, the biggest surprise for me is seeing him down that low. Yeah, my my opinion, I just want Felix to kind of come in and replace uh, the same numbers as what we got last year from Frank Clark um, as far as regular season production. If you do that, that's fine enough for me. And as far as for a rookie, I can handle that. And then the expectation is George Carl Optus, of course, is going to come out and have like 10 or 11 sacks this year. Um, Cause we have to have that edge rush from somebody. And right now we're, we're trying to look around and figure out who's going to fit in. Cause we all, we all know what Mike Dana is. I mean, Mike Dana is, is a fine defensive end, but he's not your pass rusher. He's not going to be the guy you rely on to get to the quarterback. Um, he's banged but, up right now too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, no. We're, there's a lot of guys on this team right now working through injuries, so uh, just kind of rotating through, seeing who's going to stick, who's going to fit. That's why I can't wait for Sunday to get here and we can actually watch a, a real game with these guys and see who's going to stand out in actual game situations. 
So, Tanner, what would you think of this depth chart? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the tight ends there. Noah Gray and Matt Bushman sharing the twos uh, spot, and Blake Bell is in the third. As And, of course, George, Jody, due to his injuries that he was has with this rotator or whatever, it's a dislocated shoulder, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sitting at, at the end there. But seeing Matt Bushman, a guy that stood out in camp for us too, and a guy that stood out last year who got mm-hmm. injured in the preseason – I mean, if, if this guy can stay healthy and get through a preseason, this guy could find his way on a roster. Yeah, I think so. I think it looks pretty good. Um, and I think the odd man out at this point could be Blake Bell because we're looking around this, this tight end room right now, and Noah Gray's done some of the things Blake Bell's done in the past. Matt Bushman uh, looking pretty solid as a receiver in a lot of ways. Um, and then Jody Fortson's just a guy that's been on the team now for a long time that the, the organization likes. It's just frustrating he's always injured. But athletically, he's one of those guys that if you can get him on the field, you know you got a mismatch, most likely going against some of these safeties and especially linebackers. Um, yeah, I, at, at this point, when we were talking at camp the other day, is that if we're going to carry four tight ends, um, Blake Bell's the one that's out. Yes. And if, if you need a fullback in a pinch, um, you can make it happen with your Noah Gray or even probably Bushman if you needed to as well. You take anything away from Boodle being on the third, fourth side stream on this thing? Um, with uh, Ikoi Boyadoy ahead of him? The only thing I take away from it, so DiCaprio Boodle's now been a part of this organization for a few years. Um, and to be honest, we've drafted other guys ahead of him. Even undrafted players have now overshadowed him in a lot of ways. And so to me, DiCaprio Boodle is just going to be a guy that's just going to hang around. Um, him getting a little scuffle with, with Travis Kelsey a week and a half ago probably wasn't the best thing for you know the way he's perceived by the organization um, when you're coming after the best tight end of all time on the field. Um, I just think that it's it's not a surprise at all because I think the organization knows what he is and they feel like he, his, his time has run its course and it's going to be pretty over here shortly. That's fair. <clears throat> so, anything else on that depth chart that stands out? Not I was. Necessarily. What do you think about Clyde being over Derek Prince I, at the I moment? I thought about that, but I just think it's because he's still a vet. They're not going to quite take him all the way out of the way, mm-hmm. but I think they're really going to give Derek Prince yeah. some some playing time. They yeah. want to see exactly what he's like in game. That's yeah. because it's because Mahomes likes Clyde and Mahomes drafted Clyde. They're going to give but, Mahomes that respect one more time. But anyone who's been out there to watch practice knows Prince is getting a lot of work with the first team, Tons more of than Clyde is. And so I, I wouldn't uh, be shocked to see him in the first series with the, with the starters. No, he might. Absolutely. You know? Cause I mean, Pacheco's not going to be playing here in this first game. Uh, no point in playing McKinnon. McKinnon's in his thirties now. Um, yeah. You're going to be throwing Between out there Clyde and Prince, the Prince, plenty of touches. Michael Perrine. Um, obviously you're going to see, yeah, plenty of uh, Jerry on Ely as well. Yes. Coming up in this uh, preseason game. So um, yeah, I, I think we're going to see lots of Prince though. I mean, I could see him getting 15 I, to, 15 carries at least. I think you're going to see that come preseason two. That's going to be really switched around. You're going to see Prince uh, definitely ahead of Clyde going to that. The only frustrating part in preseason, though, is whenever you have a back they're really excited about, and then he's working in with the second team O-line, and he's just averaging three yards a carry, and you're like, man, I got all excited for this. The guy can't go anywhere. Well, yeah, there's, there's going to be there's, shit there's, blocking. There's kind of reasons <laughs> to it, too. Yeah, so I, but, I mean, would not even, be even for that second line, though, there's a lot of expectations. Because you, now you got to see what Kennard can do. You got to see what Nian's like coming off the injury. Yeah. I like Grady. We resigned him. And then uh, Prince is actually in the second street as well as Mike mm-hmm. Kalindo. So, uh, I mean, I, I want to see uh, Damian or Darian Kennard step up. I do too. I see and he's in he guard, do. the right guard position. Right. 
Well, they figured out his feet were too slow, and they decided, well, I'll throw him in at guard and see what happens. I mean, it's going to be interesting. for his career. Um, But, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that will work out. And um, Lucas Nyang, um, I'll be honest, he's an afterthought to me. He's someone I don't even think about anymore as a chief. Um, Now, yeah, he might make this roster, but, I mean, it's just – his injury history and the time he's had with his, with the team now at this point is so frustrating, and uh, we're just we're never going to see what he could have been if not for some of the injuries he's had so far. Uh, the other thing I noticed: uh, kick returner, punt returner seem to be in place. Uh, Prince is the kick returner; it's already been talked about. Um, and then the punt returner, Richie, Richie James, uh, I think that's probably the best fit on mm-hmm. both of those. So no issues there for me. Um, yeah, otherwise I think it all looks pretty fine. Uh, I, I just did not like Justin Ross being as low as he was on the depth chart. So yeah, it's interesting. We'll see him get plenty of reps here in preseason week one on Sunday at noon, noon of all times, because we are the second to the last is, game of preseason week one. Is, is Derek Carr playing? Derek Carr? Because it's kind of funny that, you know, he retires essentially from Oakland or Las Vegas, and he has to go face the Chiefs in his first time as oh. a Saint. I, I wouldn't know. He's probably going to get at least one series. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, like, Mahomes is going to get one it's series. Like PTSD, right? When you walk probably. out of the field. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I mean, as long as he doesn't go out and throw a pick, you know, then, then he's going to be really crying. But so the, the Justin Ross thing is the guy that you would put him ahead of as Watson, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I put him ahead of Justin Watson right now. So I feel like Watson is the guy that they they have the trust like the chiefs really trust him right now. And maybe that's the only reason why he's still ahead of from uh, last year. Everything he did last year. Yeah. Well, if you look at across the board and Justin Ross is not technically a rookie, but all the rookies are starting lower than we might want this year. So, I mean, if you look across the board and you're seeing a lot of these rookies and those names and even the generic Prince or even some of the guys on the, in the defense, they're, they're just not going to outshine the guys or veterans that have been around for a few years now. Um, it's just that's the way Andy Reid works. That's the typical thing. I mean, you got Lamar and, Jackson ahead of Nick Jones right now. So yeah, I mean, and it's just literally, it's that's how that's the way it's unfolded now. Is Andy Reid's first depth chart, which at the end of the day, guys, is completely irrelevant. Yep. Because what, this thing is going to be changing so much by the time we get to September seventh that it's just not going to matter. So uh, we we care about it now because it gives you an idea of the way the coaches perceive certain players. Um, but at the same time. When we get to that week one game, going up against the Lions, uh, it's going to be a whole different look on that entire roster. So that's the way I look at it anyway. Uh, real quick here before we move on, just I want to throw up the, the concern meter. Any concern on the Chris Jones effort so far? You know, Chris Jones contract. I've, I've kind of uh, started to flip my opinion on this because, you know, it was just three weeks ago I was telling you guys, eh, I'm not concerned, I'm not worried about it. You know, it's all fine, whatever. We're going to get it figured out. We both want each other. My, my opinion lately now has been that if if the Chiefs are in a situation where they're not willing to pay the amount that he's wanting for a long-term contract, then at this point, go ahead, let him play on this current last year of this deal with no new contract. You go into the offseason, you can still franchise tag him. It'll cost a $33 million. But $33 million for one year is better than the 30-something million dollars for five years, which is what he's wanting. At that point, if you cannot com- come to terms with an actual long-term deal after that franchise tag is placed, you have the option at that point to trade him and actually get something of value out of him, which is going to be at least one first-round pick. And so, yeah, it would suck to see Chris Jones go, but if you're wanting to get value out of this guy, 
you have one more year of letting him play on this current deal. He's going to be pissed off, but he also can't perform poorly because then you devalue yourself going and into the don't next. Don't get a big contract. Then your then your contract goes down, you know, or Orlando Brown style. Yeah. And so to me, I'm the more I'm seeing this unfold, I'm come to terms that I'm okay with seeing Chris Jones just play one more year as a Chief franchise tag him at that point and if he's traded he's traded that's fine if he if he stays on that franchise tag that's fine too because by that point he's 31 by that point you know the chiefs are not going to uh waste a bunch of money on on giving a long-term extension of, of what he wants so i mean the chiefs are playing this smart right now and a lot and a lot of people would say no you got to pay him you got to you got to give him you know 33 million dollars for the next five years um and that might sound all fun and cool and stuff but i mean if you're brett veach you got to think long term Yep. You got to think about all the other guys on this current roster, these awesome linebackers we have, and guys like that that, and these secondary and the offensive line, all the other guys that are that are awesome young players on this roster. You got to think ahead to that and how you're going to make all of them fit somehow in the cap as well, uh, while you have that monstrous contract that Chris Jones wants. Um, meanwhile, you could let this thing play out for two more years, where he could technically be a chief for two more years, without having to pay him a monster deal, and then you move on. So I think about that way at this point, at this point, I don't necessarily care that he gets a big deal. I don't really, I mean, if he gets, if he gets re-signed right now and he stays a chief until he's 35 years old, that's awesome. I'll take that at the same time. If we don't get the deal done, then I think we're actually playing it smart for the long term of figuring out how we're going to pay guys like Creed Humphrey, who we want to keep a chief, like as long as we kept 10 Grunhard and, you know, and keeping guys on the secondary that these awesome young guys we got, we got to find ways to keep him. Nick Bolton, you know, stuff, guys like that. We got a lot of awesome characters right now to, to think about long term. Well, it's also young. Willie Gay's contract here, too. Yeah, Willie Gay needs to stay healthy. So, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's got a lot to prove in that regard before we start throwing him a bunch of money. So, yeah. but, anyways, that's that's my thoughts on the Chris Jones deal. That's so, fair. it's not that I'm worried about it. It's more that I'm I am concerned about it because I'm, I'm curious to see how this all unfolds. And if we don't give him a deal, I think we'll be all right. So, anyways, that's all. Um, so we have some fantasy news to talk about, don't we, guys? Um, so of course we are. How, how far are we from our fantasy draft? We're, we're one month, September third. Oh, okay, three weeks basically. Okay, wow, three weeks away for from our fantasy draft here. This the uh, pigskin brawlers, sports buffoons league that we got going on. Been going on for I don't know. It's probably been eleven, twelve years, maybe now, something like that. Um, but. I want to talk about some sleepers with you guys for just a little bit. Guys that are going to be taken somewhere in between rounds 8 and 12, somewhere in that range. Uh, who's going to be the one to stand out? Who's going to be the one to target? It's going to provide you the best bang for your buck and the value. Uh, now, Jason, I, I have a feeling you got some good ones for us. It was This was actually your idea. So um, I, I expect you to come out swinging with this one. Tanner, I'm going to let you collect your thoughts. So, JG, what you got? I got to collect my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple of good <laughs> ones here. Couple of good ones, guys. Uh, my first, uh, one of my favorite sleepers um, that I I definitely want to have some shares of would be Zay Flowers, wide receiver of the Baltimore Ravens. So his ADP right now is one fourteen in standard, one twenty in PPR. Uh, apparently, he's been torching defensive backs at camp, making spectacular catches. Um, you've got Rashad Bateman over there who is coming off Liz Frank surgery who said that his foot is still a little bit sore uh john harbaugh is saying it's nothing that he's good to go uh, but he is coming off that surgery and then you've got old man obj as the other receiver in baltimore who could break down at any time 
Um, I mean, Zay Flowers, to me, is going to be a stud in this league, and I think if you can get him right around that ADP uh, of 114, I'd be all over that. Um, not too many other... Not too much other depth in terms of receiver on Baltimore Ravens. You've got Nelson Assholer and Devin Duvernay. Uh, and the new Sucks. offensive coordinator wants to throw the ball a lot more than we're uh, used to seeing there in Baltimore. So Zay Flowers is my first one. I'll go ahead and give you another one here. It's Elijah Moore, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. His ADP is about the same, uh, 113 in a standard league, 146 PPR. Again, another guy that's been outstanding at camp. Uh, seems to have a great connection with Deshaun Watson. Also has a chip on his shoulder after the Jets traded him. So he's going to be playing pissed off this year. Um, he's probably going to be the number two receiver, but you never know with uh, Amari Cooper over there. It could be like a 1A, 1B situation. Um, Amari Cooper actually had better numbers last year with Jacoby Brissett than he did with Deshaun Watson. So it could be a chemistry thing there to keep an eye on uh, between Watson and Elijah Moore. But again, both of these guys, if I can get them like in the ninth or 10 round, ninth or 10th round, I'd be all over those two. Nice. Nice. Uh, I got a couple of them. Um, my first one I want to talk about is a tight end tight end. Number 13 right now in PPR is Dalton Kincaid, the Buffalo bills tight end. He's been working out of the slot quite a bit throughout training camp and is going to be getting a lot of playing time. You did not spend a first-round pick on a tight end and then not play him. Uh, they think very highly of Dalton Kincaid. They know how athletic he is. Um, he is 6'4", 240, which by today's standards, slightly undersized in a lot of ways. But he's going to fit in very, very nicely using his body against some of these linebackers. So um, that's going to be a guy to watch this year without a doubt because he's going to be doing a lot of the underneath things. I mean, whenever people are worried about Stephon Diggs and what he's doing, um, you know, obviously they, they've lost some other side piece receivers over the last couple of years. Uh, Don't Kincaid's that big body that, that Josh Allen's is going to rely on. So um, that's my number one guy to to target there from the tight end position and get him later on. He's currently uh, at 130. This is ADP. So you can get him somewhere, you know, around the 11th or 12th round in most of your leagues. Um, and you're going to be you're going to be happy with that. And, and most likely he's going to be a guy that at least down the second half of the season, will be a tight end one on your roster in most cases. Uh, next one after that, I have Quentin Johnston, wide receiver for the Chargers. Uh, this is an awesome pickup because you can get him right now at 122 in the ADP. But the reason why he's such an intriguing receiver for this team is that you're dealing with Mike Williams on that roster who is always seeming to be injured at all times. And this is a similar body, similar skill set coming into play with the Chargers here. So obviously a guy that can go high point the ball, um, pretty good route runner, but also is well known for those contested catches, just like Mike Williams was. Keenan Allen, um, you know, obviously he's going to be still in that same role as, as usual. He did talk about how he's less, he's going to be used less in the slot this year than before. Apparently under Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator, he just was stuck in that mm -hmm. slot receiver position, which we all know about, which is why we liked Keenan Allen so much anyway was because he was just always open and always catching all these underneath passes, catching 100-and-something balls a year. Um, you know, Now he's going to be working outside a little more, which to me leaves some room for Quentin Johnston to move around as well and be moved into that slot a little bit more. So uh, to me, he's going to get lots of playing time right out the gate. Like I said about the tight ends, if you, do, you don't spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver and then not try to play him, uh, and especially with a quarterback like Justin Herbert. 
he's got a lot to prove still. Wants to put up big numbers, um, and it's going to require you know getting the, getting the rock to guys like him. So I'm I'm banking on more than likely there's going to be some kind of injury down the road. That's what the Chargers do. It's unfortunate, but that's just how it goes. And Quentin Johnston is going to be the one benefiting from that, and probably would fit in well on most teams as your WR four or five on most of your rosters. I like those. I like those guys. Those are good. I'm going to give you one of each <clears throat> that I've experienced in my mock drafts multiple times that are going between this eight. I'm going to go 13 to 14 range as well. You can get them anywhere between there. They've been dropping. First up, quarterback Jared Goff uh, has been dropping down to that 11, 12, 13 round. Amon Ra can go, goes early. You can still get Jamari Gibbs as well right there within the first five rounds. You don't have to take a quarterback until that 11th, 10th, 11th round when you go get a Jared Goff. Uh, stack it up with those guys, okay? So Jared Goff there, his ADP right now is 116. I, I've seen it go even further than that. So that's one guy there. Next up, we'll go running back. Chase Brown. Chase Brown is a Cincinnati's backup rookie running back. Remember that uh, uh, Perrine or whatever the heck it is? He's Samaji Perrine. Perrine. <laughs> Thank you. I was trying to think of. I don't know why I was thinking about him, but he's going. He's at the Broncos right now. He'll be backing up Javante Williams. Chase Brown is going to be filling that role. We know Joe Mixon isn't going to be the guy like he was two or three years ago. This is Chase Brown's going to get plenty of touches, plenty of roles, and it's going to be very effective in the passing game. ADP of one eighty three. Uh, I've been seeing him even go past the fourteenth round in a lot of my drafts. A nice guy to steal. Next up, we will go. Hmm, I'm on a receiver here. Let's go uh, a guy that's been dropping down a lot, Nico Collins for Houston. Uh, with that new offensive look, uh, Nico Collins is now the WR1 there in Houston, and uh, Brandon Cooks is gone. Damian Pierce is, is there still, so they got a run game. And now you still have John Mechie who's coming back from cancer. Uh, you got a lot of question marks within that receiver ranks, but you got, uh, was it Stroud is over there? So you got C.J. Stroud, who's going to be lighting the ball up, trying to get guys that can get. 6'4 receiver is exactly what C.J. Stroud needs. ADP of 147. You can almost steal him at the very last round in an 18-round draft uh, nowadays. So, But a guy to really, I mean, target, especially late in the draft, he's worth taking a stab for. And finally, my favorite target here, it's not Michael Mayer with the Raiders. It is Sam Laporta with Detroit, uh, 141 ADP. He's going to be the number one target for Jared Goff in those desperate situations in the red zone. He's also going to be the guy that gets checked down a lot here at Sam Laporta. I, I love me this. If you guys watch my fancy st uh, stuff, this is who I talk about when it's my guy. It's time for my guy. 6'3", uh, 245 from Iowa, ADP of 141. He's a guy to look out for in the tight end world around that range. All right, all right. Fun stuff right there. Only one I would like really question, I guess, is just – the Texan situation. Like I have a hard time drafting anyone from really bad teams. Like I, I just, I'm not going to touch a Texan. I'm not going to touch a Cardinal, but I mean, I guess if you had to pick one, one receiver that could put up 900 yards on the Texans, would you take Nico over Mechie or Robert Woods? <laughs> That's right. I said, Robert, <laughs> I, right, take, I said, Robert Woods. I would take Nico <laughs> over Mechie right now. Okay. Cause we don't know what Mechie's like after his recovery yet. You know, we haven't seen him right. play any game yet. 
I All think right. I'd want Nico to be more like my w, WR5, maybe WR4 or something like I, that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Da- I mean late, right? Damian Pierce would be the, I mean, I I'm, I'm okay with drafting Damian Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Nico, I mean that, that would just be for depth. I even even Dalton team. Schultz over Nico, I'd say at this point, just because Dalton Schultz is getting most of the targets from him. But if you look at Nico's stats here with crappy quarterback play, right? 2021, when he came in the league, he had 446 yards on uh, in 14 games on 60 targets. And then last year, he did get hurt, uh, but he had 10 games, 66, 66 targets this time, and 481 yards with 13 yards per receive. Uh, look, this it's been going up, and now you got you should have pretty decent QB play with Nico Collins this year. So there, it, it's worth a stab at in round 14, 15, 16 of taking a guy. All right. If you, if you say so. I mean, I I'll, I just I'll probably avoid There's, him just just because I'm, you're, you're I'm hesitant a, for yeah. bad teams. You're you're assuming that C.J. Stroud is going to have a good first year. I, I'm assuming that Nico he's going to be throwing they're going to be throwing the ball. Which you know what I said earlier today. No, I, don't say, I, I think they're. Gonna be I think good. all everything every quarterback in this class has a bad first year. Yeah, I don't think any but of them play well. They're going to throw the ball a lot, and that's what you want in the PPR league. Shoot, I'd be running the ball a lot if I was the Texans. I mean, I'm trying to keep it close, and you know, I got Damian Pierce. They, might as well pound him. <laughs> Uh, nope, they're gonna be throwing a lot. Ground and that. pound, baby. They're working on Damian Pierce. Who's I'd be also trying to protect my quarterback, my, my fragile rookie quarterback. That's what I'd be trying to do. All right, guys. Um, have you guys? Did you guys happen to watch the Johnny Johnny Manziel uh, documentary yet on Netflix? Nope, I haven't either. I'll have to check that out sometime soon. Uh, I, someone on Twitter had mentioned it to me. So, um, yeah, it's, apparently it's just kind of about you know his his life and. Why he is the way he is. I should probably <laughs> watch that because he was my role model back in the day. Oh, I would I would love to see what you think of young Johnny Munzel behind the scenes. <laughs> some of the things that were going on there. And some of the things the agent was trying to keep him from doing that he ended up uh, being unsuccessful on. So it's, it's only an hour long. That would be. I'll, I'll never forget the day I heard Mel Kuyper Jr. say that he was the best prospect since John Elway. I'll never forget. I know exactly where I was when I heard that. I was like, wow. What happened well, there? He said the same thing about Jamarcus Russell. So, yeah, he did. I mean, so, and then he said it about Trevor Lawrence. Oh, right? John so, Hagan? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you keep saying it, eventually yeah, you're going to be right. right. You're going to get it right. Oh, oh yeah. Day. I told so, you it was John Elway. Congratulations, I guess, to uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. Right. He'll get one right one day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just a quarterback issue with it. Maybe he's just like really good at evaluating all the other positions, but. You know, the quarterback situation, he's just terrible. Although Darius Hayward Bay, he was he was he really, was really high on that one. He was off on that one. It, yeah. Here's the thing: whenever you're an analyst like that, you're getting paid by these agents to say certain things. Yes. To overinflate the value of your of your prospect you're working with. Yeah, and he gets paid a certain dollar amount to bring up the whole John Elway thing because they like that about him. He compares yeah. everyone to John Elway. Everyone's Correct. John Elway. Correct. Yep. Yep. Oh boy, old Mel Kuyper. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Anyways, I was. Just, Checking in because I I, I want, I'm gonna watch that sometime this weekend if I got some time so uh, I'll uh, let you guys know next week what I think of that Johnny Menzel doc. Of course, in today's world everything's so fast and quick. Like if you don't watch it today, then you're behind. So it's like oh, it yeah. just came out this week. So <laughs> binge, binge, binge. Uh, that's how it goes. All right, guys. Uh, one more thing to talk about. We got the kind of situation going on over with Washington with Mr. Riverboat Ron Rivera um, and Eric Bieniemy. So. You know, this didn't start off as like a conflict between the two by any means. It's not like that. I mean, this is this is about the fact that apparently some certain players in the locker room have had issues with the the hard coaching of Eric Bieniemy so far. There, I mean, obviously, it's a big difference. I mean, 
the, the Chiefs were used to it. The Chiefs players were used to it. I mean, unless you're LaShawn McCoy and your little baby ass, uh, then, you know, no one else is like sitting around bitching about it. Right. I mean, they they understand how this works. I mean, they're, 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 they're grown adults at this point, making lots of money in the NFL. No one's complaining. And, and if, if you went to complain to Andy Reid about what Eric Bieniemy was doing, Andy Reid's going to tell you to shut the hell up and get the hell out. Yeah. So you can might be, you no, know, maybe Washington thought, oh, well, Ron, Ron understands me. And you know, I can go over there and tell him that Eric's being mean. Well, <laughs> you know, it's just, at the end of the day, you're playing in the NFL. And I've seen these training camp practices, guys. We've all seen it. I'm not saying it's the easiest thing in the world, but it's also we've all been through worse in our lives than what we see going on. Those guys have too. Yes, absolutely. We've had hard ass coaches before in different sports and dealt with different things. But, um, you know, we even had Tyree kill have to get on Twitter and and try to say like, Hey, like if you guys just settle down, listen to what he has to say. Tyreek and Mikul both defended him. And Jamal Charles and Jamal. Someone I actually respect. (laughs) Unlike the other two, (laughs) Um, you know, then, you know, I like to hear from some of those guys, of course, but no, I think they understand and they've been through it and they've gotten better because of it, because of working with a guy like Eric Bieniemy. Now, one thing I did hear about Bob Fesco, Bob Fesco brought this up on oh, 610. Boy, I know, I know. You don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I listen to 610 all the time. So anyways, he brought this up. He's right about one thing. He's saying, okay, this style of coaching Eric Bieniemy has, if you're going to do it, that's fine. But it has to work. It has to work to be to be a hard-ass coach and, and really, you know, ride on guys, you know, night after night. Not, not didn't mean it like that. Then you know you have to make it work. You cannot fail as a coach. You cannot have a poor offense and poor output. You have to have that respect because if you go out there right away and you know shit's hitting the fan and things aren't going well, well at that point you you've lost everything that about your demeanor. The players no longer have any interest in listening to you. So to me, you're going to go into this season with the up in the air situation at quarterback, um, and you just better hope this thing works out because. If not, um, you're going to be under fire real quick right there in Washington because that's not a great team right now offensively. Yeah, I think the funniest part to me was just listening to the coverage of this all day long, and the media just blew this way out of proportion, overreacted to everything. There was really nothing. And then they then they said, well, we're thankful that Ron Rivera came out and apologized. And when you listen to the clips, he never said, I'm sorry. He never <laughs> said, I apologize. So it's like the media created the entire situation and then they created the apology, neither of which actually happened. So I thought that was kind of hilarious. I'm thankful that he did not apologize because there's nothing to apologize for. All he said was, I could have said I could have handled this differently, which is fine, but that's not an apology. Um, Yeah, two different styles of coaches. You have players coach or a ride your ass coach. But to your point, Mike, I mean, if you don't get the results, it doesn't matter what your style is. You're getting fired. So I would, I would disagree with Fesco's premise there a little bit because you, you got to produce wins in this league. It doesn't really matter what your style is. Now, some players are not going to respond to one style or another, but both styles can work. So we've seen this in the NBA, two different styles, Phil Jackson versus Greg Popovich. One guy rides their ass, doesn't care if you're a superstar, kind of like Bill Belichick. The other guy's the Zen master. He just wants to everybody to get along, like, you know, with Dennis Rodman or whatever. So in that case, both styles worked because they're two of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball. I understand football is probably going to be a little bit different because it's a more violent sport. But I still think that, 
you know, in Washington's situation, I think it could be very productive to have both of those those styles there. You know, you've got a guy like Bienemy who's going to ride you hard, offensive-minded guy, and then you got your defensive-minded guy in Ron Rivera. I actually think it could work out. But again, I think the main thing was like the media just blew this way out of oh, proportion. Yeah. I really think they're all, it's like Ron Rivera said, they're all there to accomplish the same goal. And so that's what makes them be on the same page. It's not about, you know, players complaining or any shit like that. At some point, you're a professional. You're going to show up to work and do, do what the coach tells you to do. And you're not going to give a shit about their styles because they're the ones, you know, the organization gives you your fucking paycheck. So again, yeah, I think they blew it way out of proportion, but, um, you know, it's basically not, it's water under the bridge at this point. It's, I mean, in a lot of ways it is kind of a non-story, but, uh, I think that they're trying to make something out of it because we're trying to get to know who Eric Bienme is now that he's put in this situation with a brand new organization, brand new coach around him, you know, no longer, you know, having Andy Reid as kind of the backbone at this point, if the enemy fails there in Washington as coordinator, then, you know, his chances of being a head coach are probably over. Yeah. So, I mean, in a lot of ways that, that the way he's perceived by other players around the league um, is probably going to be pretty telling towards making a hire of him down the road at some point, if you are an owner of a team, um, just because obviously you want to, you want to have a coach that's brought in the players respect players want to play for and come in for, and, you know, even free agents, you know, want to come and be there for that kind of kind of coach. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of soft coaches over the years. I mean, we we always looked at guys like Herm Edwards or Romeo and Cornell, and we called them players coaches. And, you know, basically it was just a, just a joke. You know, the whole thing was a joke <laughs> that, you know, they were, they were these players coaches. Well, all that all that meant was that you're allowed to be a lazy piece of shit in the offseason. Yep. And when you come into the camp, you're not going to be able to pass the fitness test. And we're going to have all these issues. And that's that's part of why. Whenever Todd Haley became a Chiefs head coach after Herm Edwards, his whole plan from the get-go was to run your run your damn ass off, run laps like we're back in high school again, trying to get our asses into shape because all of them were out of shape from dealing with Herm Edwards over you know three years. And so Haley came in and just like try to get him in shape as fast as possible, make him run all these laps. That's why Derek Johnson lost a bunch of weight. That's why Dwayne Bowe lost a bunch of weight. Ended up having great careers, actually in part due to Todd Haley coming in there and trying to fix things. And I'm not saying Todd Haley was a great coach in the way he went about things, but there's I'm just pointing out the other end of things where you can be too soft on players and then they just don't give a crap. They just let themselves go and you know they're just happy and content because they know they're getting paid and they're not going to have to have much accountability going forward. Where you know, being on this organization now as, as a any kind of chiefs on this team, you don't show up out of shape. You it is expected you you're gonna show up already in shape, you're gonna be ready to go, ready to learn and ready to be a part of the process. And uh, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because if you don't show up correctly, we got a bunch of guys here that are ready to roll and they're going to take their take your spot. Um, and I think Eric Bieniemy is going to carry that over to Washington in a lot of ways because he's going to see Andy was his mentor for over 10 years. Um, and he's going to carry over some of the things Andy taught him along the way. So how that's my this, thought. How did this get to the media? How did this all get started? I totally missed the, like, the well, origin. origin. I, I, well, for one thing, you know how it is. They A lot of times they have nothing to talk about, so they make up something so make to talk about. But Ron um, Rivera is the one who actually brought it up, I believe. So Ron said he, something about it? So basically the media asked him a question, have the players come to you with any concerns? And he said, yeah, they're, they have some concerns about Eric Bieniemy, And that's all he said, which, 
Yeah, we all have concerns. I've got concerns with the two of you fuckers every time I walk into this studio. Uh, but yeah, it's okay to have concerns, but, but you're still the team. You work things out. So it's just, okay, so it wasn't necessarily saying anything about work, like the way it's done. They Where, just, it was more like the players don't want, they don't want them to ride their ass yeah. all oh, the time. Oh, that's, chip, that, that's chip, the concern. Chip, champion chip mentality. Gotcha. Don't be, don't, don't be coming in and acting like you're a champion and try to get yourself to be a yeah, I mean, I, champion. Main thing with the enemy is, that's what I, is. He, he gave so much to the chief's organization. I just want him to do well. Unfortunately or fortunately, it's going to, you know, be placed in the hands of you, Sam. Sam. It's all about Sam Howell. You have, it has nothing to do with Bieniemy. I mean, it's 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 like how good of a quarterback is Sam Howell going to be? If he's shitty, okay. Well, then Eric Bieniemy might lose his job at the end of this year. If he's good, then Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is going to look like a fucking hero. A lot of ways, this is the mentality each individual person has because you know there's the Le'Veon Bells of the world, and like I said, the Lashawn McCoys of the world who both think that that Bieniemy is an asshole, right? And, uh, you know, obviously it's too hard on them. And then you have guys like, like I said, Jamal Charles and, and so on, and that have appreciated the work Eric Bieniemy, you know, gave him and, you know, enjoyed it because he ended up beca becoming better because of it, especially as a receiver. I mean, you were talking about, like, like I said, Tyreek, who, you know, talked sure. a little crap on the Chiefs since he left. Tyreek, you mean, Kel still came and in. Kelsey, we used to see Kelsey and Bieniemy getting little fights on the sideline. Yeah. You know, they didn't always get along. I mean, they're, it, I understand Bianami's probably not the easiest coach to work with on a day-to-day -day basis, but at the end of the day, is, are you going to have results? Right. You're going to, I think you're going to care do about you, your job more yeah, for you, one thing. Do yeah. you, do you just it, want to finish third place again? And well, that's one thing. And, and you're you're kind of weeding anywhere? out, you're kind of weeding out who's going to be the weak-minded of to. the organization. The want to, who has the want to? Who is it? Let's out. look over the roster and figure it out. You know, it's I don't just, know. Yeah. It's the same thing. When you have tryouts, this is tryouts. You go and you you're like, hey, you know what? You're you're not giving me the full effort. You're not giving me 100 effort. You're gone. The main thing I liked about what Eric Bieniemy said in his session with the media is that I'm going to be these players' toughest critic, but I'm also going to be their number one fan. Correct. So that kind of made me think that you know he he probably kind of misses his playing days. His mind is kind of still on the field, where he thinks that he can probably walk up to these guys and hit them if he wants to rather than taking a step back as a coach but um, no yeah i mean not necessarily like when you're when you're speaking about that he's got adrenaline he's got the adrenaline of a player still is what i'm trying to say well that, that's the thing you have adrenaline but you also want to see your guys succeed you want to see these championship mentalities that you're bringing into this organization an organization that has not had success since the 80s right and, and you want to come in you want to bring this in and be the number one fan yes you want to see them succeed and the thing about number one fan when coaches say this it's it's when they succeed, you're the first one giving them a high five, a fist bump, saying, hey, good job, whatever it is. But you're also the first one at their throats when they make a dumb play, a stupid, stupid mental mistake or something like that. And that only is and it's not just, hey, you suck, you know, kind of thing. It's constructive. You, you're, you're saying, hey, what the hell was that? Why did we not get in front, you know, in front of the guy? Why did we not wrap around? What was it? So there's something else with it. So. Uh, I get it, and, and I think Bienemy is that kind of style, just from the way he is in KC, and I think Reed's kind of the same way, uh, just on a quieter version of it. So, right, Reed just has his own demeanor and respect that's just expected right out the gate with, with the way he goes and handle, handles his business. But I mean, I was just thinking to myself a minute ago just about the style of coaching that we've seen now, and we've all played sports at different points in our life, 
And the ones that are making the, made the most impact on you in your sport are normally the guys that were more the style of an Eric Bieniemy, the Correct. way he goes about things. Correct. Uh, and Andy Reid, of course, it just expects a certain level of, of performance. And uh, you just, you're not going to let them down, basically. Uh, there's those, and then there's the other ones you've probably had along the way. They're very forgettable that didn't really make, leave an imp- imprint on you or impact on you. They were a little softer, and you just kind of overlooked them a little bit. The ones that you're going to remember are going to be the similar well, guys like it's, Eric. Bieniemy. It's also the guys that were really hard on you, but never made a conscious effort of any kind of support back to you. Right. It was just hard on you, right? So you, sure. you got to have that little bit of balance to be able right. to be really impactful for certain guys. I'd rather guys care than not care. Though. Correct. I mean, I, I had both styles in high school and college, but I think for me personally, I could always handle both styles. It didn't, didn't matter to me what the yeah. style was, but I think a lot of times um, these football players coming out of college, especially division one prospects, they're like, they're so pampered oh, it's so all the way through away. college that, that when they run into a style, like the enemy, it's just like, dude, who, the, the no, NIL, one, no one's the ever NIL talked to starting like to really hit that too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, now if, they're just taking care if, of from the beginning. If, if nobody's ever talked to you like that, and you know, five fucking years or since you were in high school, you, you you're not going to know what the hell to do or how to respond. Yeah. Because now you just transfer, right? If you're in college, you just transfer. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that guy. To, he, he yelled at me. I'm going to go transfer over right, here. Well, right, well, I mean, yeah. And or so everybody be, will take you. Or you could just be like Jonathan Taylor and be like, yeah, I want out of here. Well, that's what they do. Yeah. Well, that's a whole different situation <laughs> right there. That's because we talked about this last week. That's because yeah, they got a dumbass owner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've got a prick for sure. I'm surprised, I'm surprised more players aren't like that right now in the Indianapolis yeah, I know. I, yeah, I feel the same. It's because he talked about he singled out running backs in particular, basically. Yeah, he was talking about, oh, we're just going to move on. You know, basically fine. said all running backs are bums. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, have fun <laughs> with that. You, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but that's the translation there. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys, uh, what else you guys got today? Not a lot, man. Not a lot. You got your just show for football. You got your show after this. Got my show after this. Or late well, night. What time is Tanner, it? Here? Tanner show. I did want to ask Tanner right quick what he thought about Tanner. What do you think about Pat Riley coming out and saying that D Wade was the greatest player ever to win a Miami wear a Miami Heat uniform? That that was today or yesterday, I think. I'd agree. I, I, pretty close to it. You don't right? think that's a shot at Who? LeBron James? No, it's I not mean, a shot at LeBron. Three rings with the Heat versus two. I mean, that's pretty I, self-explanatory. Dwayne Wade was there longer, though. That's the thing. Dwayne Wade had had a longer stint. Well, and he's got three rings. Miami. He's got three rings with the Heat. As I ain't well, worried so. about his rings. And he had a stint. He was an impact for Miami, and he was there from the beginning. But I know most, what you want. The most. I know what you want. I'm not. not I don't want anything. I'm going to give it to you, you right now. The most important thing is that he taught LeBron how to win. That was like the well, peak. Who else did LeBron have to teach him how to win? Who? Himself. He wasn't born with it, but I mean, he could have like who? He could have figured it out if he was. A he true, went to Cleveland and carried hey man, these scrubs to the freaking championship. If you're year. the greatest player of all time, who else is on that team that knew it or win? Nobody. Hey. If you're the greatest Nobody. player of all time, you figure that shit out on your own. You don't need any help. Michael Jordan needed help. He needed Scottie oh, Pippen. Come on. I'm not getting into this debate here. This this is going to be an hour. You know he was trying. It, this was. I know what thing. he wanted. He, he wanted me to say. <laughs> he, he wanted to try to antagonize. Dwayne Wade is minutes. better than LeBron because of the reins, and he wanted the reins to be. He only brought that up so he could antagonize you and just come after you for. A few Dwayne minutes. Wade is the correct answer for the Heat. Yeah. Well, LeBron could still be the goat. And not be the greatest player in Miami history. He doesn't have to be number one in every single team's history he plays for. 
Is he number one in a cap, not in the Cavs history? Oh, yeah. Cavs oh, yeah. History, Easily. Oh, Is that, oh. That's it, though. No, I'd probably go with Booby Gibson. Jesus. That's the only team he's number one ever, though. Mo, right? Mo I, Williams. I'd say, I'd say, if anything, Cavs, but I, that's even. Zadrudis Elgauskas. He'd be right up there. So, with some of the guys. Not, so, just one Lakers, team. Lakers, no. Well, no shit on that. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of lists there. So, uh, we get one comment right there. Uh, Bobby G. Bobby G. What's up, dude? I think it says more about Rivera. Why haven't the players complained about tough coaching prior? Here comes EB from a winning program, new energy, and players have an issue. Suck it up and learn to win. Exactly. It is a Rivera. And this is partially why he had to leave Carolina after that Super Bowl. And now, because he had a quarterback, right? He had a quarterback playing high. Now he's in Washington. Still doesn't have a quarterback to play high level. And and, and you bring in a new culture with the enemy and the enemy's trying to instantly start a new culture with Rivera there. So obviously Rivera isn't as uh, hard ass as uh, some in, in thought. No, initially. but he, he does talk a big game about Jack Del Rio. He know? does. So he I mean, does. let's, let's not forget about that just a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I, I know I'm not a big Rivera fan myself. I mean, I, I understand he's been around the league for a long time now, but um there's nothing about him and his coaching style that I've seen that is impressive or stands out to me. He he gets um, really long. Uh, his chances don't dwindle very quick. What does that mean? So he's he's around despite losing records. Oh yeah, for a very long time. Like Marvin Lewis, almost. Oh, not as bad as that. <laughs> but hey, Marvin Lewis was like eight and eight for his whole career. He was so. he was the Jeff Fisher of of uh, of the Cincinnati I think, Bengals. I think Jeff Fisher is better. Than, than Ron Rivera. Well, I mean, he, I mean, Ron Rivera touched the, or, uh, or Jeff Fisher touched the Super Bowl. So, yeah. no, I mean, Rivera's got an NFC Championship ring. Uh, yeah. I mean, don't they give out rings? I guess for he did NFC the Super Bowl with Carolina with Cam Newton. You said that when we started off the topic. <laughs> he forgot. He's had a long week. It's well, we're all sitting here drinking non-alcoholic beers, so it's kind of making us fuzzy in our head. We're not thinking straight. Some brain fog. A bit of brain fog. And uh, Tanner had a long weekend, so still rubbing <laughs> off on him. <laughs> oh, boy. It's been special yeah. ever since. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a few brain cells killed on the way. <laughs> uh, we'll All save right. that for I a think, different day. I think we should be good now that Tanner finally got his LeBron hating out of the way. Yep. Gosh, this guy. All right, guys. This guy. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to the Chiefs game, obviously. That's what we're, we're all excited about this weekend. Week one preseason finally Just underway. Preseason in general, dude. Just yeah, it's going a whole a whole weekend. I mean, we got games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, each day we got some games. So um, and Bird taught Jordan how to win. You see that? Mm. G Bird. Says Bird taught Jordan how to win, which is possible. It's very that's very true. Larry Bird was a magician, right? He was very good. I mean, between the Pistons good. and and Bird and the Celtics, yeah. Yeah, look at Bird's. I think it what was his age thirty season. Compare it to LeBron's. Bird was. A, Bird was a better player at his peak than LeBron James, but he didn't have the longevity. So he did it. Still a top 10 player of all time. Yep, I can give it that. All right, guys, where are you guys watching the game at? You watching it here? Yeah, I'll just watch you, it here. Are you going to live stream it here uh, while it's going on, or what's your plan? Uh, TBA. TBA. All right. Don't know yet. I'm assuming you'll be uh some point. I don't know if you're going to be watching it live or what. But Well, if he's going to watch it here, I'll just come over to his house and have another Bitburger. Bitburger NA. All right, all right. All right, guys. Well, um, I guess with all that said, we'll get back to you next week and come out with all of our 
awesome reactions from the Chiefs game and as well as other news around the league, of course. So um guess I'll see y'all on the next one. Outro. See you guys. Thank you.